Welcome to Dragon Talk. Yay! This is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I am Greg Tito. That is Shelley Madanobere. Hi. Making things happen over there. Very excited for this episode of Dragon Talk because we yeah. get to talk to Dare Hickman, an amazing TTRPG player, game designer, writer. Uh, perhaps best known for their role on Transplaner. So very excited to talk to them. Yeah. Also, uh, they have some very cool games that I do hope um, that we get to discuss, games that, that they designed. So Yeah, we will cool. um, get all those and figure it all out. That's awesome. Um, what is happening in the D&D world? I mean, you got to give a shout out to Dungeons & Dragons, the movie. Oh my gosh. We just, as of this recording, we found out uh, that it's a hit. People like it. It's the number one movie in the world. It's the number one movie in the whole world. You know um, when D&D has done something huge because my dad starts sending me news articles about it. Like, did you hear this? Uh, breaking news. Not sure if you're aware. This is did, a, There's a D&D movie and it's quite good. Did he send you the clipping from USA Today? Okay. So what Greg is referring to is an article in USA Today in which Greg and I were quoted um, talking about how, like, hey, I've seen the movie. I want to get into Dungeons & Dragons now. Greg being the master uh, PR person that he is. Like, like worked our book into this conversation, and he actually, like, name-checked it. So was super excited about that, the, he being the author, um, the writer of that article. Yes, shout-out to Brian. I sent that link to my dad, and, like, crickets heard nothing. What? Excuse me? Squeeze me? It's almost like, do you not like our book? or even this podcast that you've been on he was a guest on and it still talks about it still thinks that he's really famous now super famous so anyway that was exciting that yeah the article itself and people out there are getting into playing D&D, I think, from watching the movie and seeing how fun and yeah. uh, not serious, even though it was serious. There's emotions. There's all these things happening within the film, which I think is a great amalgam of everything that makes this game great, right? I do. You know? I do. Like, our conversation that we had with Jeremy, um, it really nailed, like, the essence of what we love about Andy. Fart so jerks not, and heartstrings. Not easy to do. Um, I just loved it. I did. I went back again, saw it a second time. Bart got to see it, and he was. I looked over at him a few times, and he just had like that that little like smile on his face, mm. just watching and smiling. Like that's a good sign. That's and good. at one point, Quinn leaned over to me and said, "Is this movie almost over?" And I was like, "Oh." God, really? It's like 40 minutes in, kid. And I said, no, it's not. And he goes, good, because I love it. Aww. <laughs> How sweet. Straight from the mouths of babes. I know. He was, he, like, it held his interest. It held his two friends' interest. Um, so, very, that's a good sign. That's a good litmus test. Oh, it is a I good sign. I just love it so much. I can't wait to... I'm going to watch it again. Can't you wait. mentioned that him and his friends really loved the character of Simon, uh, the sorcerer. 
Yes, Simon is the the character that resonated the most with uh, nine-year-old boys. And my hairdresser. Uh, so it's what? not a uh, uncommon thing that we're hearing Me. from folks. First of all, can we discuss that you have a hairdresser? <laughs> the person I who cut, I said it that way on purpose. Yeah, the person who cut my hair. Oh, she oh. loved it and said and that Simon? she had to, Yeah, she said she really loved Simon and uh, and the and Doric as well, the Druid. But yeah. uh, really loved Simon and thought it was a very relatable imposter syndrome kind of. Uh, arc that yes yeah that it was that it was him holding him back this whole time not his ancestor spoiler yes. alert for the D movie oh, go check well. it out anyway lots of other things that you'll you'll discover that aren't we're not going to spoil that's right yeah yeah so oh good stuff good stuff there yeah what else and I uh, hope you're all digging it and spreading the word getting more people out there to go see it and uh, then taking your friends who may be excited about D&D and getting their excitement and transcending it into a game. And then we have tons of resources for you to be able to do that. PlayDnd.com is a good place to start. Get some starter sets. Get some of the free content that is available on D&D Beyond, including the character sheets for the um, party yeah. in the movie. And, yep. uh, you know, you're off and running. Rebels End, you can even play and uh, uh, breaking somebody out of... That prison that's in the center, you can do your own little Jarnathan heist oh. out the window if you want. You know, Jarnathan also seems to be one of the breakout stars of that totally. movie. People yeah. definitely love Jarnathan. Oh. There's something about a callback, right? The fact that even in the exposition storyline uh, that Edgin is going through in the beginning, that he keeps going back to, you're really great at Jarnathan with yes. you to hear this part of the story. and then, I don't, sorry, I don't know if I can continue without... Jonathan. <laughs> I totally paced that wrong, but whatever. I'm not a professional like Chris Pine. I mean, I think you're more of a professional than Chris Pine. Really. I, well, you know what? I have something in common with Chris Pine. We are the both outfits? very our outfits are similar. We both like a high waisted pant. <laughs> um, but also we are both very passionate about getting D D in schools. That's right. I have seen him out there uh, that quote in many articles about how much he thinks that D&D should be played in schools and how it's such a great learning tool and a teaching tool. And I, every time I read it, I want to say, it is in schools, sort of. We're getting it. We're getting um, it. It's happening. Curriculum yes. is out there. So, yes. And actually, All because that, of you. There is new, new, uh, fresh new curriculum out there. So if you go to ymiclassroom.com slash D. D, not D and D, just D D. Um, Does he need a you driver? Can, you can, or Dunkin' Donuts. Oh yeah, for the northeasterners out there, yeah. D You can find some really fun uh, activities that you can just give to your kids to do. They, it doesn't have to be in class. They, it's all about puzzles and mazes um, and solving some cool little riddles. So I actually used some of it in my D and D club. Oh, nice. Yep. And they they enjoyed it. Turns out Great. kids like puzzles. Kids Who like knew? everything about D&D, as it turns out, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And um, we would love to hear more about your experiences going to the D&D movie, getting people into playing D&D, &D, uh, and getting the youths on board <laughs> with playing more. Um, 
as we uh, do more Dragon Talk episodes. So let's talk to Derek Hickman. Uh, just as a note, we recorded this episode a little while ago. Uh, so, right? Didn't we? Or is this the before times? I don't really remember. But it might have only like been two weeks. So. I don't know how time works because I've been caught in a time uh, stop spell um, for quite a while. But I, give a listen and uh, you'll find out lots of ways to get inspired about d d It's only been a week. It's only been a week. It's only been a week. But yeah, it does feel like a long time. Time has passed. But also no time at all. Let's welcome Dare Hickman to Dragon Talk! What a warm reception. Hi. Very (laughs) excitable studio audience here today. Yeah, I think they cracked my voice. They were so excited. They made my voice change all types of of octaves there. Well, we're really excited to to chat with you. You are a a game designer, a a TTRPG performer. You're on Transplaner with a lot of other wonderful folks that we have spoken to on Dragon Talk. How are you doing? Uh, Good. Um, Yeah, no, I I just, I've reduced just to talking about myself as an entity because it's easier at this point what 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 have i done what haven't i done i'm just around oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> i exist it's, it's like i'm you've a always person been here yeah exactly i'm a primordial entity in the tabletop space <laughs> i like it one of the old gods <laughs> um but yeah how did you get started playing uh D, playing playing tabletop rpgs that's always a really eye-opening tale to tell um it's always funny because growing up i was always the kid who was like ah i'm very nerdy i i'm a big video game kid i'll never do dnd i'll never end up on table like playing tabletops um but i'm also a liar historically <laughs> <laughs> so you're great at dnd yes i was yes. like yeah it's a make-believe uh, <laughs> so like i ended up going to college uh with uh and like met a bunch of my like college best friends uh, and they were like, hey, we're doing this. I was like, sure, I'll give it a try because why not? Um, and like I my first character was just like a wholesale reference to like community, like unironically, because <laughs> I love that show. Um, and I made a half elf which just looked like me with a with uh one elf ear. Um <laughs> this I will this is my I didn't character design, I didn't know her yet. I didn't care. Uh it was it was very goofy. Um and like from that point I got really captivated. Um, I also started listening to things like The Adventure Zone, which really made me care more about it as like a storytelling medium. Um, it's like my first tattoo. Uh, the audience, you can't see this, uh, but oh, I have cool. a, a Bureau of Balance tattoo. Um, and like That's from awesome. there, I just got like more into actually wanting to tell bigger stories and be involved in bigger stories. Um, and it was a ton of fun until about 2020 is when I actually started hitting the streaming space. Um, I did a couple of charity events and stuff and just really liked, I don't know, putting my voice out there in this way and just kind of kept going from there, honestly. Mm. That's amazing. So what was it about the streaming space that you found appealing? Like you said, I like to put my voice out there, but was there something about the people you were playing with or the way that you were playing or knowing that an audience was listening and watching? I think it was it was a mix of like, that desire to I've, I've always wanted to be an artist i've always been uh, an artsy kid um like i i'm a musician as well uh so like i i've always liked putting the things i make out into the world but also knowing that like there's not a lot of 
I don't know, like, uh, like, like I am, I am a black trans woman. Uh, I am also uh, pretty like unique looking and sounding in a way that I think for a lot of people, that's kind of important to see in these spaces. I, I always, I've always made stuff with this sort of idea of like, hopefully there's someone out there who looks like me or who needs this sort of like encouragement to make something because I think like one of the most human things we can do is create things. And like, even if it's just a silly game with friends, I think it's really important to like, let your voice be heard in these ways. And like, that has been my driving force is like, I want to make weird art. So hopefully someone else sees this weird art and is like inspired by it. I love that. Cause that's such a, uh, as you said, a very important human characteristic, right? If you're not expressing yourself uh, for for creative folks, because there are there are folks who aren't as creative uh, out there. But I think if you fall into that camp, uh, it's it's that need to get that oh, yeah. that voice out there more than anything else. Yeah, and even for people I think who aren't creative, like even if it's just something like eh, painting, or just like anything that's just even the mundane sort of creativity of like I'm going to name my lunch today. That's <laughs> I, I believe in like even the most mundane forms of expression being really important and like. Even if it's like, ah, I mostly don't consider myself an artist. I work, you know, nine to five and once a week, maybe I'll play a little D&D with some friends. That's still super important in terms of like expression. So even them, if you're out here and you haven't played anything in a while, play a game. Have fun. Yeah. Listen up. Yes. Create something. Uh, And I've been watching a lot of basketball. It's, you know, it's March Madness is going on here and seeing a lot of young people uh, in the uh, arenas, right? And there's the band, there's the cheerleaders, there's the people who paint their faces. And part of me is like, you know, you're all just playing D and D here. You're like, yeah. you're all using your different, uh, you know, uh, disciplines and interests to uh, create something, even though oh, it is yeah. around this this sporting event that we're watching. There is still an expression there, even in people that we would call, yeah, you know, quote unquote jocks, right? Yeah, even right. like I, because I'm I'm a sports fan as well. Uh, my sport of choice is pro wrestling, um, but like, <laughs> right. is that uh, a, it's more of a show than it is it, a sport? Like they I, are I think very both. much athletes. It, it yes. is it is the it is the common man's theater. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I, I smell think, what you're cooking. <laughs> All right, <laughs> a lot of lot of crossover there with D and D and and wrestling as well. So truly, um, but yeah, like that. Ex- of like even fandom even in sports is fandom uh if you haven't heard that before i'm sorry sports fans it's a fandom and like <laughs> totally. there's nothing wrong with that and i think like expressing yourself even through the interest of like oh it's football or anything else is still super important um like i i also was a big football kid i used to watch it with my dad a lot so like it's important i like it i yeah. i am both the nerd and the jock here i i will say this openly Yes, I love that. And that uh, you definitely see more of that these days that I think people feel very comfortable in both spaces. Um, but sports for sure are um, a, a good parallel with D&D, which we've talked about here before. Um, fantasy sports, <laughs> but you guys are role-playing. Uh, you're not a commissioner of a baseball <laughs> Please. I know, You're, like especially any game, uh, especially any game with like a fantasy GM mode, where it's like I am. Yes. You are just you're just doing management and like fantasy management, and that's great. That's so much fun. It's, yeah, 
it's just it's still fantasy. We're letting it's the pretend fantasy. numbers roll. It like literally is in the name. It's called fantasy. <laughs> like there's it's not even hiding. I played in a fantasy baseball league before with like very mainstream, like people who are like would never even watch Game of Thrones. Like they're just like, no, they're just sports fans. And they were all like creating logos for their teams. And I'm like, well, you guys are like, a, like one of them even made up their own t-shirt. Like yes. you're cosplaying yes. now. This as is your the t- expression I want to see. <laughs> Perfect. And I, right. yes, I love like fully immersed in this, like sending emails to each other, like in the voice of like the GM of the league or like the commissioner was like coming down on us and like, it, so we good. they were so fully immersed in it, but they had no idea that they were actually role playing. It's all. all about perspective, honestly. I love mm-hmm. stuff like that, truly. Yeah. Who you got scary. for your fantasy team? Um, I think I'm gonna pick uh, Atreyu um, this this round, but maybe I'll go with Aowen if uh, Atreyu is already taken. <laughs> Always got Dritz on the cards. Got to keep him on there. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's like a number one. He's gonna go oh, too yeah. fast. I, right? I have to fight for him every time, but it's worth it. I'll take mm, Wolfgar, yeah. I guess. I'll take Tasha. <laughs> Ooh. Mm. Going for the Archmage. Yes, always. Always go for the magic. Um, so you mentioned uh, that your first character was a uh, a female presenting character, right? A femme presenting Actually, um, no. This is oh. back in my boy era. Um, I love to talk about pre-transition life as my boy era because uh, <laughs> I got over it. Um, no, my first character was just like me mask presenting with a uh, just an elf ear. One singular elf ear is a half elf because I thought that was very funny at the time. Um, but like over the course of like playing, especially in the world of tabletop or like D&D, um, mainly elves. I deeply all about elves for most of like for the first few years, especially around transitioning. Uh, there was something I really loved about the like perceived androgyny of that. Mm. Um, and like sort of even like there's a prettiness and a beauty to even the most like traditionally masculine elves and like finding something really beautiful and powerful about that type of expression. Um, so as I slowly like started going like, oh, this person uses like he, they pronouns and getting more and more like femme with my presentation of characters to what I finally like transitioned a few years into playing, I think it was. Gosh, it's been a while. 2019, 2018, somewhere in there. It's where mm-hmm. I transitioned. <laughs> um, and then started playing like more femme, like coded and more like women, like player or like characters. Especially GMing also did a lot to help with that too, since I in my home games perma GM, getting to express with like femininity in those ways really like helped open the doors for me to like, I don't know, uh examine and unpack my own sense of self in a way that I Generally, don't think I would have been as far as long without like tabletops. So, what is it in that you found, com- like, like what made the space comfortable for you to explore these different sides? Um, for me, I like my home game groups uh, definitely. Um, like my players from my home game are all some form of like, uh, like queer. Um, whether that most of my table is trans, and then. Um, everyone on the table is somewhere on the LGBTQ uh, spectrum. So, like, that is a space that gives you, I think, a lot of freedom to try something and experiment. Um, I think one of my first characters that was trans, he was uh, trans mask, but we had two characters that are identical twins, and one was a girl, one was a boy. It's like, well, Hmm. examining that, one of these characters is pretty categorically, like, trans in some way. 
And like getting to play with that was like the first time I ever like experienced or played with transness uh, in a meaningful capacity. And then getting like having that sort of support, having that um, both the experience of people who like were openly trans when I was still considering and figuring everything out definitely gave me the sort of space and grace to like have we have the realizations and like really try things with my own character creation which of course made me go why do you care so much about playing girls in this way or mm. why why is it really important for you to like have to be a girl or have this level of femininity and then i eventually got hit with the big hammer of oh that's why <laughs> <laughs> That's great because right, it's it's the it's and not necessarily experimentation, but it is the idea that like you get to try it on, right? Like yeah. it's, it's it's like putting on a, a different gender clothes for the first time yeah. and being like, oh, this feels different and yeah. maybe even good, right? Yeah, and like that that level to experiment for a little bit and take it off and like be like, okay, this is fun for a while. In the same way that like putting on makeup is fun for a little bit. Or it's like, oh, actually, I feel kind of weird without it now. Or it feels mm. a little bit, I don't feel as, as you know, euphoric without it. And like, especially because I realized I was non-binary um, and like sort of experiencing that sort of middle ground. Elves were uh, essential for that for me because of that very much just the general androgyny of an elf that I like really liked. Um, really helped me realize like oh no existing in this like middle space is just kind of really important for me and i need it when you were looking at the player's handbook uh for for the 2014 player's handbook uh did you note that bit in the character creation uh thing and that specifically says you know Choose whatever gender makes the most sense for for you as a as a character and as a player. Did, did I, I? I remember what, uh, not grokking that when I first read it. I just kind of oh yeah no of course that makes sense. But I I, I have talked to a few folks who realized that that was a a kind of you know flag pull down of like no this is this is where uh, elves can uh, the the realm in which they live. I think it was. I think it definitely wasn't my first character, but I think. Probably by the second, like 2015, 2016, of just like, okay, uh, the first character I made, absolutely kind of a jokey, a jokey joke character. But my first like long-term campaign character being this sort of um like warlock and bard who is mostly a big romantic who loves to do big spectacle. That's a character who is beyond really with needing to worry about gender and capacity. Everything is a performance at that point. Hmm. And, like, that's when it was like, okay, well, like, legally, uh, he is a guy, but does he really care if he were to say, like, ma'am or sir or anything like that? Not at all. He's just here for the vibes. Um, and, like, that sort of feeling of getting to, like, sort of go, like, gender is kind of eh in, like, for this character. And then I have other characters where it's deeply important to them, where, like, that they are, you know, perceived as such or seen as such. And like, it was it was very important for me to see it in the books too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so I think when obviously like most people, just your everyday D and D playing people, maybe aren't therapists. Um, some of them are definitely, but maybe they're not. Uh, but they probably all are 
supportive of their group and want everyone to have a good time and feel included and comfortable and all. I mean, I realize that sometimes when people play, they don't realize the stuff that's going to bubble up. That like they are, there is something that they are exploring that they didn't know needed to be explored. But as a fellow player or as somebody in the group, like are there, are there ways that a party can support a player in this Um, with this sort of exploration? I mean, like, I think they, they, this can happen both on and off, like, play. Um, I've definitely, like, seen people explore gender through their characters uh, and, like, even make that a focal point of their character's journeys, realizing, oh, um, you know, something's been missing and it's been this piece of exploration and I found it in me. Uh, and that And that is all coming from the character. But also, I think any good group, like D&D group, um, there's also a core of, like, caring not just about the story but about the players and yeah. making sure that like everyone is in a good headspace making sure everyone is feeling okay and i would like to believe uh that for any of the tables i've ever played at if someone came up and said hey i've been sort of thinking about something that i think i've carried myself both as a person and like i think i'm knowledgeable enough that if they wanted to like come to me i'd be more than willing to like hey let's talk about it uh, what things are like? Are you feeling good about this? Are you feeling bad? What things are? Are are you feeling new feelings? Which I think is really important um, because sort of that feeling of discovery can be super super important. I I do a lot of like TikTok and stuff as well, and I've definitely, especially because TikTok skews so much younger than me. Um, like I've definitely had people talk about like, oh, I remember. Like that sort of helped me realize something or like see this, seeing this sort of character helped me realize that like, actually, like maybe I want to be the edgy little rogue and not just my character. I want to be the one wearing jet black and kind of being a cool, tough guy. And like, that's so important. And like one of the beautiful parts about exploring yourself in those ways. So I think any good table will hear that and go. How can we help you? I, I laughed in the middle of that because you said TikTok skews younger than you. I, and, then, and then I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm 27. So, like, I know I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not old. I'm not, I'm not an old person. I will treat myself as such because I think it's funny. Um, but, like, I definitely have had people who've been, like, Oh yeah, no. I remember watching this piece of media when I was a kid. I'm like, mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that. I don't like hearing that. Actually, get used to decades of that from from oh, now I know until it forever. Get easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I okay. I love that that question, Shelley, from like a, a a player perspective. But I'm also really interested in like a a world builder and a, and a GM DM perspective because one thing that I've um, struggled with is some of my own kind of baked in thoughts about the fantasy genre whether that's from like oh dwarves don't like elves like even that kind of simple thing I'm kind of like "Mm, I don't really like that anymore it feels stupid and uh, (laughs) you know doesn't really express what I want to express in the world building that I'm doing so how can you how can you do um, that type of uh play without falling back on on you know tired old tropes like that i think for me both one of my biggest i think advantages and things i had to like hurdle is i didn't go i'm i'm not really 
super familiar with the fantasy space uh, comparatively. Oh. I I grew up watching a lot of anime and reading a lot of comic books. I could talk about Superman for three hours. Uh, don't stop <laughs> or don't tempt me. Um, so like I, I grew up with very much like the media that really inspired me, stuff like X Men. Um, this is why I'm the way I am. Um, so when I like make fantasy worlds, I think I've always considered things almost comic booky in a way of like there is this sort of like grand metropolis in these ways that you're these very big cities and when it comes to designing more of the fantastical elements um or the more like smaller cities where it's like okay like this is probably a place that's full of elves what else um like what what is their history on like a i'm also just a big lore nerd i love unpacking history i was a history major in college uh, oh, cool. So then I also sort of take this very anthrop- anthropological, like, all right, is there a reason why the elves don't like the dwarves? Does Is it a, like, history of business and trade? Is it, like, like are are there reasons or is it just, you know, I, I've seen this in, in Lord of the Rings or anything? Mm. And, like, going from there and getting to, like... I enjoy making systems that really work. So for me, like, my un- the Underdark in my home game is mostly like uh a, a city that is fueled by like uh like smugglers by like crime in a way that's like similar to a mafia almost so there's a lot of respect given actually as long as you don't mess with any of the major cities or the major families um and sort of taking that and saying like okay well they probably don't like this city because they're business rivals uh instead of like uh any real like, like it, it's all down to the money for them or examining like any of my like more verdant and like green verbolg full like towns where like okay i think like eladrin might hang out here i think like little guys who are kind of just trying to stay out of it so like there's a decent amount of kobolds here because they're just kind of trying to mind their business and they know like they're not gonna fight with the furbolgs furbolgs are chill and they just kind of moved here eventually and like stuff like that I think is really fun to do. I also let my players do a lot of the, like, I, I like to make it very communicative. Like, what's the type of adventures you want to see in this world? Like, I have a character who's a pirate. We're going to add a lot of ocean for you now, bud. We're going to make sure there's a lot of water for you to interact with. One person hmm. did sort of come from more of, like, a thief background, so that's why I made that Underdark so complicated and so complex, because I wanted them to feel like they had a, a history when they go there and sort of went from there. So it, it's using story instead of tropes, right? Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. Pick the things that come from your players and make them emotionally invested in it. And then any animosities yeah. are, are kind of built from there rather than, you know, systemic racism. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally that. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So you all right, well, you mentioned that you are the perma GM for your home games. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> how did it, how did you come into that role? The short answer is I was willing to. Um, <laughs> there you go. That's all the, it takes. I, uh, but the long answer was um, we had had sort of two concurrent back to back games. I had one friend who would play on Monday, who would run stuff on Mondays, and I'd run stuff on Tuesdays. This is when we were a decent amount younger. We had way more free time <laughs> right, than we more currently. Time. Um, a lot of were us were still in college. Were these two separate? Sorry, two uh, separate. These totally were the different. same group, 
Okay. Uh, same friend group, just two separate games. Okay. Um, and we each took this. This speaks more to my like growing up on non like fantasy media. I made something that was very like cyberpunky using D and D. Um, I made it was it was a. I'm gonna try to make sure I get hit all the words. It was like a cyberpunk thing that was like fronted. These were actually like mega corpse that were all fighting because they were secretly led by Norse gods. Well. Yes, this is something I had a lot of fun doing. I think it took like three years for that to run. Um, and I, I really liked sort of, you know, taking that traditional like fantasy elements and moving them far, far long into the future. I thought that was very fun for me. Um, and like we took that general like ideas and wanted to, um, I, I like, I was like, I'll do it. Sure, why not? Um, and then that game ended. And everyone was like, well, we kind of like how you run things. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like you, you're you're like, you'll buy all the books. Oh. And I I'm only messing with them partially. I love all of my, all of my players. But uh I do also like I think I, as a player, I'm way more of a support player. I don't know if that is from me being a permit GM or the other way around. But like I like to prop up other people's stories already when it comes to my my style of play. Um so I also just don't mind. I think it's really fun to sort of take the weird media that I've consumed and help make it work into like the stories my friends want to tell. Um, I will roast one of my partners uh, because I love him dearly. Um, <laughs> he plays a, a pirate tiefling named Val. And when he asked me to GM for Val, he asked me with a more sincerity than if he will ever propose to me. And I'm putting <laughs> that on a mic today. Um, because like... <laughs> he got down on one knee... Yeah. Uh, uh, opened up the yeah. player's handbook. Yeah. It was just like, hey, because like he's had this character for years, and it was just like every other DM, like the game ended up falling through or something would happen. Um, so like this, the sheer sincerity I was received with this request, um, and I thought it was really fun. And like COVID was just starting to hit, so I had free time. Mm. So like I built the big map by hand. Like I had. For some reason, I had giant sheets of like construction paper and like drew out the map and like oh, everything. Wow. So we we built this world from scratch, and like I I just it's been a labor of love in a way that I really really like doing. We still play every Tuesday night. Nice, that's amazing. That sounds. I like want to see a this really map. Cool. I do too. I love, I'm like, I that love maps like a really as cool like a project, a, a physical artifact. To, as I will well have to as... find a photo of it and send it your guys's way now. That's so yeah. awesome. I yeah. love the idea of just like building it out together. Like just like you're off in like your little corn, literal figurative corner of the world. And then someone else is building out something else. Oh, oh yeah. That's um, a really cool especially idea. because I, I like, I really like the, what do you want to explore as players? Like idea of world building too, because it does let me know. It, at one point I've definitely done the thing of like, Oh, I guys want, I really want all of you to care about this really particular thing I've built. And like, narratively there's no no one's going to be in, like invested in that sort of thing because like their characters this doesn't really speak to their characters this lets me help focus all of my like creative energy on okay here's the places that like speak to them here are these set pieces that i think would speak to these characters first instead of me making a really big world and then turns out they really just think like this one section is really cool actually mm -hmm. Um, it it helps with stopping the like kind of DM burnout that I can get sometimes by like 
uh, leveling my like expectations a lot low or not lower, not lower, uh, properly. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, that can happen to any, anyone who is the perma GM of their group. Um, it's it's tough, right? It's a lot of burden. I, I I would love to hear your thoughts on what you do to make sure you're looking forward to the game, because that's something uh, that happened to me, which was which was I started to dread it. I started to be like, oh no, it's it's going to be Tuesday mm-hmm. soon. What am yeah. I going to do? How am I going to prep for this? Uh, how is this going to be fun for my players? I think a thing that I've put in recently is once again taking sort of the things I've also learned from performing is like stars and wishes. So every so I think every session we're ending on like here's the positives and the wishes being like here's something I'd like to focus on. Uh because in my head I I'm deeply aware that my brain is different uh in in a good way. Um so I know the things that I narratively like think would be more interesting but I also want to hear from like all right, well, what's the things you would like to do? And like sometimes the cast like, uh, I want to, I want a downtime sesh. I think it'd be really nice if we could just sort of talk about the things that we've experienced over the last like 10 sessions. And I'm like, cool. That means I can find a nice place, an interesting place for you guys to sit down and talk at. Um, and like ending every session on here's the really good stuff, and here's something that could help me that like I I just really like to see helps me really focus fire all of that energy in a way that I think is important for me because I'm my, I'm very neurodivergent. I have a very extreme ADHD in a way that means I will get distracted by making a bunch of really cool little things and none of those are things someone cares about. And then suddenly I feel sort of like, what was the point of all that effort? Um, and especially I've wow. been playing with my friends since 2018, I think. So I, we've also just gotten to learn i think a lot about what we all kind of like uh and like the sort of tropes that make my friends brains go like burr they love it (laughs) and like getting to play into those spaces really helps i think all of us i saw you react greg when hearing about being adhd and creating a million little things that nobody cares about (laughs) yes yes because because i'm so deadline oriented right so i'll create these deadlines for myself and i've I've you know written pages and pages of stuff for for a, a homebrew world, and then you know they ne- it never gets the light of day. Like no one gets yep. to see it, or no one cares, no one interacts with it in any way. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of made me be the the lazy DM because I'm like I don't want to do anything uh, unless it's in game, unless it's you know I'll do a little bit of prep to just uh, you know get the encounters and kind of things of where it might go, and and had a lot of reward from doing that. But yes, because because I was I was just like you, Dare. Yeah, um, I've had like one, I think, one particular time where I felt really let down by like, oh, this just didn't go away and I, I expected. And like from there, I've always, I kind of used that as a really big learning moment to, I think, when there are moments or things that I as a GM, like, hey, I would really like you guys to interact with this thing. Sometimes I will be very honest, like, hey, uh, the city, I think, is really neat. If you guys would like to look around, I'd really, I'd really love to, so I could tell you about some of the lore I've made. I no pressure, <laughs> obviously, um, because I also know like a lot of those little bits are the sort of things that like they will find interesting at least to come back to later in this world, even if you know the 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 ticking t- uh, clocks too too stressful. They have to like go deal with a thing. It means this could be a fun place to like do a shopping episode or something later. 
where um, I have an entire town that is just sort of a magic college town. So there's a bunch of weird items and like really cool inns where it's like, oh, the drinks here will make you levitate, literally. And just getting to like have an episode where like, we're just going to go hang out here. And it's very chill. It's so nice for me. Oh my God. This drink will turn you on fire. It's lit. uh, uh, (laughs) This party is lit. Uh, This, wait, I'm going to ask you both this as people who like homebrew and create worlds because I I am not there yet. But <laughs> are your worlds like that fleshed out where you know like things like, hey, we serve drinks here that will make you levitate? Yeah, <laughs> it, um, for me. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the drink menu of uh, each go. bar in town. <laughs> and, and sometimes the and Yelp reviews for all of them. Um, like sometimes it's things that I think would be very funny just in the moment. But um, at least knowing the vibes of those towns means I know from an improv standpoint or like a very short, like, okay, like we're in this college town. We want to go look at an inn uh, or look at, a, you know, a bar menu. Okay, let me think of some quick little puns or something that's terrible. And then a quick <laughs> little, like some weird magic effects. Even maybe I'll even take a look at like the wild magic table and see like, ah, yeah. maybe you'll turn into a shrub if you drink this one. Who knows? Uh, you'll You'll be shrubbed you'll be a shrub for like two seconds. Um, That's and like, so cool. It, I, I also add a culture role to my own homebrew games for that similar reason. I really like to dig down into like the, the like nitty gritty of why a city is. Um, I've always been, I'm a real romantic about cities. I, I also like to just sometimes sit somewhere and just let a city pass me by mm. uh, in real life. And this sort of informs how I like to start at a very ground level when I build places. Yeah. Um, because it's just really fun for me in that aspect. Yeah. That part of what cool. makes it exciting is that that simulation aspect where you're like, I'm I'm not just creating a story for my friends. I'm creating a world in which that story can happen. Uh and I'm not always successful. I'll tell you that. Like some I've certainly written a whole bunch of stuff and and uh sometimes get it out there in ways that uh feel natural and fun, but sometimes not. And I actually really like what you just said, Dara, being like Please, can we please yeah. interact with this uh, with this thing that I spent time on? Uh, you know, GM to players, like just being like, "Hey, yeah. this." And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with telegraphing that. Oh yeah, I think uh, I think when I was a little bit younger, uh, when I first got into it, I definitely took GMing as a more antagonistic, like I am trying to be the the thing that is stopping it. And I think after we finished our first campaign, I think we all had this shared realization, especially as we all got really emotional at the end of it. That, like, I think the fun is helping tell a good story and helping tell a successful story. And that sometimes is me even have, wanting to, like, be like, hey, I would also like things sometimes. I would, And, like, being willing and front-facing enough to, to ask that of your players can be really important, really good. Um, because I, I would hate to ever build a sort of, like, I'm kind of resentful of the way my, my players interact with my world. So sometimes I just... Sometimes I put in a little thing that's fun strictly for me. And that's enough. <laughs> um, I have like a whole underground rat society. They're all just info yeah. brokers. They're talking like rat people. Um, and like, I, I love these guys. They'll sometimes show up just because like, if you need information, Jerry the rat's going to be there. I love him. <laughs> that's a great <laughs> idea. Yeah, I, I love putting little info brokers in my worlds and stuff too. People that... I, I I am a sucker for like really having people who are down on the lowest levels 
to be the people who know who know everything. Mm. That's uh, like a um a, D- a DM insert character too, right? Where you can just be like, yeah. nope, this is me telling you what's up with the world." Yep, yep. It, it's it's a good way of like both adding a very goofy little character because Jerry is a silly little guy, um, but also <laughs> like if my players ever feel lost or if they ever want to know, hey, I'm here. What's worth in- interacting in this place? There, there's a member of the Rat Information Network somewhere in town. Every every town has one. It's like it's like uh, Nurse Joy from Pokemon. There's always one. I, I'm going to use this. Are they actual rats or they wear rats? Um, they're like, they're a, a, they're a whole family of cursed, like, almost like hex cursed, like rat people. So like, okay. Like it, they were like from, druids uh, from Warhammer? and the wild shape went really bad. It's the best oh. way I can Ooh. describe it. They're fine with it though. They're pretty chill about it. They're fine with it. <laughs> then, <laughs> even then I'm like, them. that's a plot hook right there. Like, Hey, can we, what happened? Know, what happened? Yeah. How if can they, we, if they ever uh, want to like uh, figure out and see if they can reverse this curse? I don't I mean, know if, if they any, ever will, but they, right, they kind of like them as little rat dudes. <laughs> well, and maybe you meet an individual, hopeful. or someone wants to play, and a future campaign wants to play one of the the rat oh, yeah. people. And, and I, I would build a stat block. I would build stats for that rat man right now if I needed to. Uh, so two things that you're bringing up that I want to touch back on, both about. We talk a lot about how DMs can, like tips for dungeon masters, how they can do this better or work on this. And like, leave the dungeon masters alone. Like they're doing, they're doing the Lord's work here. They're doing enough. (laughs) Teller's work. Let's talk about players for a minute. You, one thing you brought up was that you as a player like to prop up other players and help tell their stories, which I think is not something that I don't think about that a lot when as a player, I tend to be thinking about my own story, I guess. Uh, but how could players be more central to their party members' stories if if that is something that they want? How can we be, how can we help tell each other stories? I think one of the things that helps with that is making sure like wishes are stated. I think once again, another early jamming problem that I had is everyone really loved their secrets in a way that like. When everyone's hiding secrets, no one really knows how to best help each other. And with Stars and Wishes, when you're in a position of, oh, I want my character to maybe address sort of this, they've been feeling really down, or they've been feeling kind of lost in life. Then suddenly I'm in a position of like, okay, my character's generally a bit more introspective. Do you want us to have, maybe, let's have a scene where we're like sitting and talking about life to give you that opportunity. Or, you know, uh, giving those, letting everyone know what you want. I think, and like reducing the amount of secrets because sometimes secrets are really fun. A, a good twist, incredible. But I think not everything needs to be a twist. Sometimes it is okay to tell your like fellow like player, like, like the fellow folks at your table. I kind of want to explore this thing, or I want to like explore my sort of feelings about loneliness or anything. Uh, because I think most people if they know there's an opportunity they can help tell your story, would be pretty down to. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it helps also build relationship between certain players. If like, okay, whenever I'm down, I come to your player to talk, or your character to talk to, that builds, I think, a greater sense of like, those individual relationship strings. So, you know, not only are we moving together as a party, but I care about this person for this reason, not just because we are 
saving the world, but like also you are my friend. And whenever you're down, I am I am your mom friend. I come to support you. Or, you know, whenever I have stuff in my world where there's like arena fights, two characters generally will always go together. They're always like fighting buddies. They that is their bonding experience. So like getting to have people's wishes said out loud, I think really helps give people an opportunity to play the the their plus one in that way. What I love about that is there is a joy, as you said, in twists where maybe just the DM and the and one player are aware of something, uh, a secret, and it gets revealed, and they too might have that experience. But I'm thinking about um, mystery shows uh, and mystery television, and sometimes those are the most fun when everybody knows what the mystery is, and you're just the trying dramatic to dramatic irony, yeah, where, and you're just trying to see the characters experience it all at the same time. So I'm thinking of those, you know, by having those wishes be public and having everybody at the table know those secrets. So when they come out, you'll all of a sudden have everybody at the table jumping up and be like, oh my God, that just happened because that's something that we've been holding on to for six months, but I'm so glad you got to experience that. Oh yeah. Right. Rather than, you know, the secret sly smiles that the DM and one character might have together. If it's, if it's it's held too close to the chest. Um, yeah, and especially when sometimes, like, one of my characters had a secret kid. Uh, he, like, he just had a kid that was around in the world for years. And, like, only one other player knew about it, like, in-game. But above the table, we all knew. So whenever those scenes would happen, there's sort of this, like, how can we piece together these little facts about this kid based on, like, and will will their perception, like, when they finally meet him, live up to everything we've heard about him on on the table? And like that sort of, you know, that fun of playing with dramatic irony is, I enjoy it a lot. Um, I think you can do some, I, I think they both have their uses, but um, getting to do one is really fun sometimes. One other question about players and helping their dungeon masters. I feel terrible knowing that you have all these nooks and crannies in your world that people are just like, nope, I'm just on my way somewhere else. I'm not going to walk in here. But really like, how can players be better players? Like, what can, what, what, if you were like, okay, I'm a GM and this is my dream. I just want players to do X, Y, and Z. I, I think sometimes making that desire known, like, I, I, I think more information is always better. Yeah. So, like, whenever I run games, I generally let people know I am a, I put a lot more stake into the RP and like, I, I, you know, I want you guys to explore the world combat. I I tend to do combat a lot less and make it more of like a boss fight. Combat for me signifies that something big is happening to the world. Uh, Generally, you know, um, we like, I also use uh, milestone leveling for that same reason. I, you know, when we fight something, it's going to be, I'm going to signpost it. It's going to be a big deal. So like, don't feel like you're in a rush. Feel mm. free to explore the world. Talk to and establish relationships with these weird little guys in this world because that means that when the world's in danger and you have to fight, you're going to fight like hell to save it now because this isn't just yeah, that's fantasy plays. You can care about, what about the guys in this town I care about? What about my family who we've met a few times? What about the weird little shopkeeps that Always, you know, he'll always sneak me an extra piece of candy whenever I go go to his inn. You know, 
stuff like that, I think, really helps make the world worth fighting for. Yes. Um, like, I, I care so much. Like, the little things are so important because it makes everything hit harder. Um, like, if I've ever, every, for every NPC I've killed, which is not a lot of them, I make sure that we know a lot about them first. So it doesn't just feel like, you know, in comic book terms, someone got fridged for character development, but a real person, like a, there's been a real feeling of loss yeah. in this community or to these players. Yeah, that seems like uh, some simple, but yet so impactful to think like, well, yes, like the more you explore this town, the more uh, engaged with it you'll be, the more immersed you are, the more, the higher the stakes. Yeah. I do want to save you because I will miss that shopkeeper who slips me an extra piece of candy. Yeah. Um, that, like that like tugged at my heart when you said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, it, I don't know. Once again, like this is where my comic book love shines. I love weird little characters and one-off guys who will show up every once every like, you know, 10 and 10 adventures because like, and then maybe they'll be a little bit different. Maybe the next time you check in with this guy, he reveals a little bit about his life. Mm-hmm. And like, you're like, oh, suddenly you're married now. This Now this world is a little bit bigger. Yeah. Um, my big campaign I've been doing, it is, it's a big group of people saving the world. And my, my four, like my four players, there's other groups who are doing the same thing, like in this world happening. So sometimes they will, different groups will meet up and interact and you'll see this other group looks like they've been through the ringer lately. And that means that their adventure has also been tough. And like, I love introducing those sort of rival or like associate teams. So, you know, that like you guys aren't the only ones who could save the world. You're just the ones the camera's focusing on. Um, And like, I enjoy that a lot. Interesting. So I was poking around on your website and which we'll share the link to that in the uh, show notes, of course, but it looks like you've got a whole bunch of games that you have uh, designed and put up here on the site. And I was just want to know a little bit more about your philosophy behind designing these games, but also maybe talk about a couple of them, hopefully one in particular that I'm very interested in to all yeah. those I've heard, a game of digital apologies. Yeah. Um, so I, I write in two ways. Either, uh, like, I, I'm also very much a poet. I think if you can't tell by the way I talk, yeah, I'm a poet. Uh, but you but don't I, know I, it. I, uh. <laughs> um, I often write things either from a place of, like, something I think that is really funny, and I like to go with the bit, um, or something that is, I think, written from a sincere, a very sincere place. Uh, to all those I've heard is from the funny end. Um, it is It is a game that is a love letter two terrible YouTube apology videos. Yes. Um, <laughs> I because, love this like, so much. I think there is something so in- very funny about having to film yourself crying and saying, I'm sorry, look, reviewing that footage and going, yeah, this'll, this'll work. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I, I think a lot about this, someone who also like exists on TikTok and stuff where I see like TikTok with someone crying and I'm like, I have a, just enough shame in my heart that I don't think I could film myself crying and then like post that to the internet. Mm-hmm. Like I I'm just old enough where like, I don't know. I care a little bit more about my digital footprint uh, in that way that like, you know, uh, kids of the late nineties were sort of taught like everything you do on the internet matters um, <laughs> that I'm willing. I have degrees of shame. So like 
I think YouTube apology videos are really shameless in a way that I find fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, there's so many types of them that I've, and I've seen a lot of them because I think they're very funny that I just sort of made this as a love letter to like all of the types of weird ones I've seen. This is also a little bit inspired by like, I had watched Glass Onion pretty much around the same time. Mm. So thinking about a character like Birdie who, oh, bless her. She made us, she she thought sweatshops were a type of store that made sweatpants. And like <laughs> imagining someone having to make an apology for something like that is so goofy and like hilarious. I just thought it would be fun to sort of do that almost at like a PowerPoint presentation party. We're like, all right, we're going to do like, you know, we're going to have a weird night where we're going to talk about media we really care about. And then also we're going to do a little bit of role playing and pretend to be a, a gaming YouTuber who like sold a really terrible t-shirt or like they made a gaming controller and it breaks apart really easily or anything like that. I even included the parody clause where you can make, because I also like to be weird and meta, where you can make an apology video that is a fake apology video oh, about yeah. making fun of other people's type of apology videos. And, like, I like making goofy little things like that a lot. And then all of the players kind of have to do their own apology oh, yeah. for everybody else? Oh, yeah. Oh, um, and it's so just, fun. like, a comp- competition of whoever has the best one. And you could, if you wanted to add more theatricality, you could film and, like, edit this if you wanted to and make a real one. Yeah. Or just oh, yeah. do, like, a live, like, improv performance of it. I feel oh, like right. this is just like a sketch comedy prompt. I uh, feel like, actually, I, I, feel like, like I know what we're doing the next time we get together, Greg, and <laughs> with, our, with our families. I think we're going to. I also like, love that you. it says, use a variety of potential backgrounds and controversies. Like, are you actually like providing that to I, people? I have a small table on this game of like, here's <laughs> oh, some example controversies. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, some of them's like sold bad merchandise or took a really shady like promotional deal. Um, old tweets. One is just called old tweets. Old, old you tweets. You can fill in what the old tweet is. That's <laughs> that's for you to fill out. But it's an idea. Okay. Um, and I want to roll. I want to roll on this the wild magic table and the trinkets table from yes. all the adventures, and then put them together into some weird apology video about how the fluff uh, uh, in your pocket uh, was you tried from another dimension, and then created a, a incursion. Okay. To, to everyone who was harmed by the frog heme, if I accidentally summoned, I would like to apologize. <laughs> I um, you're not crying. I didn't crying. When when you called it a frog heme, I thought it was frog sized. I didn't <laughs> think of the hemoth part of that word. <laughs> but yeah, like I I love making goofy little things. I was a kid who grew up watching a lot of stand up. Uh, one day I'll I'll do a stand up bit. One day I'll do five minutes. That's that's a lifelong. Uh, I need to get bullied into it. That's also, a good, that's also a good title. You should make that into a game. One day I'll do five minutes. And you you have a table where you can like come up with your material. There's got to be a way. There's got to be a I way could, you I can do. do. I could do that. See, yeah. most of these games are also made in an afternoon, which is like, <laughs> I love the sporadic, inform- like this, there's a sort of sporadicness to them in a very much like, Flash in a pan nature to my game design that when I when the really inspiration like. happens, yeah, you do it. yes, I've, that's I feel ADHD like you got to right when it strikes, and yep. I, I like to capture it like a. It's the same way I write a lot of my poems. They're very much written in the moment I'm feeling these feelings. Amazing. So like they 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 I like things that capture a time capsule in this way. Okay, I love it. Right. Well, thanks so much, uh, Dare, for talking all that through. Now I want to play this game and. And uh, uh, you know, incorporate almost everything we've been talking about here in, in I know. my next D and D session. Really good advice.
Thank you. I I I hope it inspires people to to I think at least try exploring with the way they tell stories. Um, even if you don't like any like any or all of these ideas, try them once and see if your table likes them, you know? Yeah, exactly. Where can people find out more about uh, the games that we're talking about here, your your appearances on uh, TTRPG shows, all, all that? Um, yeah, you can find me uh, all over the internet at Dare to Dream RPG. That is D-A-R-E, the number two, D-R-E-A-M RPG. I am a writer, editor, sensitivity consultant. I do a lot in this space. Um, but if you pretty much go to any any uh, any search engine and just type that and follow it up with Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Bandcamp, all of them, I'm I'm there. I'm there. Okay. Uh, I, I managed to I fought hard for this name, and this name is everywhere as a result now. Nice, you got it. it. Follow Dare to Dream RPG, and uh, and, not, and not just on Twitter, but like follow. What, what you're yeah. doing <laughs> check me out on itch uh you can buy my weird little games they're very they're most of them are very sad but like two of them are very funny so like check out the sad ones too but yeah you know i love <laughs> a, a resounding right. endorsement most of them are really sad Some are sad. They're sad in a good but way. there's they're two funny ones that'll make you love and appreciate the people around you there's i'm not gonna tell you which ones are the funny that. ones though you have to figure that out on your own <laughs> Yeah, buy them all and you'll find out. (laughs) Surprise. Thanks so much, Tara. You're amazing. You're awesome. Thank you. We're back in. Oh my gosh, that time stop was amazing. I feel like we're in a time warp. What a wonderful interview. I love uh, speaking to Dare and finding out all about the uh, exciting like indie games that they were doing. That was like really fun. Yes, and like love hearing those amazing stories about self-discovery and all of the the ways that your D&D party and D&D can really help you you know make some really important fundamental discoveries about yourself. I love dare, it. Dare to dream indeed. So give them a follow um and check out some of those uh you know interesting games that they put up when they are inspired. Yes. You know, it's always it's always something uh, to be supporting out there is yes. creativity, just like D&D does for everybody out there. Exactly. Um, give a follow to everything that's going on with Dragon Talk if you can too. Subscribe, like, give a review. We definitely want to spread the word about everything that's going on through the hobby in this podcast. We don't do tons of commercials for ourselves out there. Uh, but check out Welcome to Dragon Talk as well if you have not been able to pick it up. From your local bookseller, it's available uh, online in an audible form. We are excited to be at the Get Lit Festival in Spokane in a couple of weeks. Um, I don't know if there's any. I don't think there's any way to watch that live, but we'll be giving a uh, you know a recap of everything that happened, as well as our game with Justice Armand and many other famous authors uh, in in Spokane, Washington, talking about um, our D and D game. I'm so excited. Me too. I got to talk to Justice a little bit and he made the mistake of saying, Oh, do you know like what character you want to play yet? And I'm like, let me tell you everything. So, nice. Um he said, Okay. I, like in in concept approved. So done and done. I have to make my character. I haven't made mine yet. So I'm gonna uh not use one I've made before and go nuts. Happy to be a, a litter mate with you again if you'd like to be a Did you make it to backseat? No, I'm a Herringon. A Herringon. All right. Yeah. I'll be a Herringon. Herringon uh, Barbarian. And uh, the name is going to be Hair of the Dog. The, my name is Rager Rabbit. <laughs>
Well, I'm going to be a bard dancer, uh, and it's going to be ru- do the Roger Rabbit. <laughs> I'm just going to do I it. love it. Yeah. Okay. Yes, because my my backstory does involve like escaping from like a, a touring vaudeville esque magic show where our parents now our parents not just my parents our parents were um, forced to be the bunnies pulled out of the hat at yeah. every show, and like I grew up seeing that and was like, this is not the life that I want. I don't like it. Not for me. And left, hit the road in, in search of adventure, but also riches because I want to break my parents out of that horrible lifestyle. And the only way to do that is with money. Is with money from this yeah. heist. I love so. it. And then, yeah, we talked about this a little bit, but maybe I'll be the uh, the wizard slash charlatan who is pulling the rabbits out of the hat. Um, and I'm reformed as well. Because you, once though? you once your family left, the whole show fell apart. My parents so. were still there. Well, darn it. Sorry about that. So where are they? <laughs> Another quest for me to find lost family? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that in a sec. Uh, so yeah, give a follow to uh, me and Shelly. I'm at Greg Tito on Twitter and Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Uh, I'm also active on uh, Mastodon and Hive and a couple other places. Shelly, where are you at? Where am I? Twitter, Instagram, at Shelly Moo, or visit my website at ShellyMazanoble.com. Go through the archives. There's not that much new, but go through the archives. There's good stuff in there, for sure. You'll find, you'll find something. Check it out. Um, and then, of course, if you want to get into anything Dungeons & Dragons, go to dndbeyond.com. Join the Discord server there, as well as follow Wizards underscore DND on Twitter and DND Beyond on Twitter as well. Good places there to start. I would love to find out what's going on with Drunky Two-Shoes and her eternal quest to find Daryl Two-Shoes and the rest of the uh, Tabaxi homeworld. Uh, so you are at the Radiant Citadel. You're actually right in front of the large uh, arboreal crystal. Um, mm-hmm. And speaking to the guards there, you were trying to get in. They said they were blocking your entrance because they were investigating the disappearance of Shola, uh, who you had just spoken to uh, earlier in the day. Um, but she has disappeared and no one knows where. And I believe Drunky decided to attack these guards uh, to try to get through. And that's I where mean- we cut off. What was I doing to attack them? I don't know, but roll initiative. Oh, no, no, I remember. Didn't I, did I use my ice knife? You did use your ice knife. That's right. Uh, but was I really attacking them? I mean, you cast ass and ice knife. Ass knife. <laughs> <laughs> I cast ass knife to cut the cheese. Oh! oh! Come yeah. on. You guys like, are laughing. Oh, this is gross. Can what we can drunk can drunky really say that? I want her to really say that. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Um, so go ahead and roll initiative for me. Oh no. Samson's gonna be so mad at me. Samson is eyeing you not very happily. That is true. 14. 14. 
I am going to say you go first. Uh, so you had cost, cast Ice Knife, and you said, this is my ass knife. And, <laughs> I'm about to cut the cheese. <laughs> uh, what do you do? Are you, are you, now that you have it cast, uh, do you attack with it? No, it's just um, I say, oops, I'm sorry, that just slipped out. But I would like to go see Shola's chambers. Oh, wait, so you're not... <laughs> <laughs> so you okay? So, but you did say you cast ice knife, and you were like trying to break his his staff, which was like oh, barring you. Oh, that's what I was doing. I broke. Right. Yes, that's right. Okay, sorry. I am going to do that. So I, you're I, I make knew a sp- it, I had a reason for casting it. So he yeah, he goes up defensively, you, and then the uh, ice, and knife. ice knife <laughs> is a is a ranged uh, attack. So which I throw. At yes. Him. So you're trying to throw it at the wooden yeah. staff that he has to. Try to break it. So this is... Just roll like an attack on it? Yeah, this is your attack. Make a ranged spell attack. <gasps> I rolled a one. Oh, no! Like a one on the die? Yep. Oh, dear. All right. So, uh, I need this is after you make the ass knife joke or before? Oh, definitely after. <laughs> after. Okay. So you fling this uh, shard of ice, and it's supposed to go uh, and hit the staff that he's got <laughs> kind of barring the way. And the rest of his cohorts, he was the captain, right? So there's two other guards, I think, now here. Uh, uh, and they are also you know, holding their uh, staffs um, oh, yeah. horizontally. You cast this ice knife almost like point blank, and it <laughs> hits the ground, bounces up, hits the guard in the butt. <laughs> um, and uh, doesn't do a lot of damage, but he's now like, oh, 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 oh. And he's just kind of standing and dancing in this weird kind of awkward <laughs> way. Okay. Well, I'm also now <laughs> dancing in that weird, awkward way. And you I'm did going, drink a lot before oh, this fight. Oh, oh, everybody do the ice knife. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, I got to roll a reaction there. What do the, the other guards do? Come on, everybody. Oh, oh, uh, oh. So one of the guards kind of sees the captain doing that, and he trying to does the, the follow along. He's like, what are we? Uh, He's doing uh, the ice knife. The other one is like, no, you cannot embarrass him like that, and uh, attacks you with his spear. I'm not... I'm not trying to embarrass him. Yeah. Uh, luckily, they roll poorly, or luckily for you anyway. Um, and the spear um, comes down, uh, and then you see your really, really good friend, uh, Blade of Spring, bring up her blade and blocks the the, the spear attack by this guard. (gasps) And she says, enough! There's more important things afoot here. You tell us where the Shola is. We can help. We can be on the same side here. There's no conflict. What is the matter with you? I am like, it part partially like embarrassed and partially in awe um and she she kind of she's she's you know got her eyes on the guard they're you know wide and angry but then you kind of see her look to your look at you give you a wink and then she also belches a little bit (laughs) (laughs) and a little bit of a wine burp comes your way i want a dna test because i think (laughs) we're related (laughs) uh and let me see what the captain of the guard does he says, uh, by what authority do you bring uh, that commanding tone with me? 
I just was accosted by this interloper just turned to you. I didn't accost you. You shot an it ice shard into it, my arse. It fell out of my hand. And we all had a good moment of levity, sir. Roll me a deception check. Because he's waiting to see if you're lying to him again. Eleven. Eleven? All right. His, ooh, he crit his insights check. Yeah. And uh, he said, that was no accident. It was. You were attempting to break in. I was no, I did no such thing. I, can I, can I do something? Yeah. I cast minor illusion. Okay. Can I make a minor illusion that looks like Shola? Yes. And I'm going to do it behind them. I'm going to go, there she is! And the minor illusion runs. Can okay. that happen? Uh, uh, that's another, make me a deception check again. I'm not going to give you advantage because that's pretty tough. So yeah, make me another straight deception check to see if it pulls off. Critted it! Really? Yep. All right. They, 22. Do they fail bonus? their insight check. Um, and uh, the guard captain kind of just looks at you and is like, and then after her, after her, and the three of them run, and the rest of you can continue if you wish. Come on, everybody. All right, they're following this silent, moving uh, minor image, um, and we'll pick it up next time Yay! as you're chasing a imaginary Shola. All right. Woohoo! 